0: What's up, guys? It's your boy, StatMat from Back and Forth, and I want to tell you a little bit about Anchor and what Anchor is. Well, let's start first. It's free. We all like free stuff, and Anchor is absolutely 100% free to use. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in back and forth here for episode three. Y'all got me... Oh, solo yesterday, so ripped to your ears for that. Solo Matt. Solo, but as you can tell, Joey G's back in the studio. I'm, of course, your host at Matt here. You can thank the Hennoms, the Hennems for uh, for Joey not being here yesterday. Big, uh, big shout-outs to Jack and Will Hennem. Jack and Boo. The, yeah, exactly. Boo. <laughs> the boos rain on the Hennem. Uh But we do got a lot to get to. We've got a Game 5 from the Vegas Golden Knights last night to break down. We'll also take a look at Game 6. Uh, coming up and we've also got a game two from the Clippers Sun series to break down and we have currently an NBA game and an NHL game for that matter both in progress as we speak at the time of recording so with that without further ado and also I forgot to mention we've got a brand new coach in the NBA well head coach he's been a coach in the NBA but now an assistant
1: came from the Popovich coaching
0: tree we'll get into his uh we'll get into who it is and what team hired him. Absolutely. Shouldn't be too hard to figure out, though. Right. But uh, let's get it started here with the Vegas it's Golden Knights. It's a real Knights. mystery. I, I know. Big big mystery on the uh, new coach and where it's, where uh, he was hired. But uh, let's get it started here with the Vegas Golden Knights. They did lose Game 5, 4-1 to one to the Montreal Canadiens uh, uh, last night. And now they face elimination Game 6 of the Western Conference Semis and I don't think the Knights have faced elimination in a Game 6 to this point in the playoffs. So this is kind of a first for Vegas. Uh, Joey, what did you uh, see from the Knights?
1: Well, for one, I'll tell you what I saw from Montreal. You know, uh, Game 4, you know, every time the Knights win, it's always you you go to the NHL's Instagram page or you go to a hockey Instagram page or any social media page, and it's the refs, the refs, the refs. It's always the refs. The Knights win because of the refs, and I'm not going to – Getting to this tit for tat thing, if it was the refs or not, but this the ref activity seemed to be a lot more. Uh, uh, there was a lot more ref blaming, ref blaming than usual, I should say. So, uh, let's just for the benefit of the doubt here, say it was the refs. The refs kind of screwed up the game against Vegas and Montreal in Game Four, and that's kind of what it felt like. That Montreal felt like that game was stolen from them, and they just came in. Not Game Four, excuse me, Game Five, and they came in. Uh, or oh, yeah, it was Game Four. Um, they kind of just came into Vegas with the attitude of. They they were pissed off pretty much. Uh, They they wiped the floor with Vegas. They got off to an early 3-0 lead. Vegas was able to get a goal uh, around the third period, and kind of it was too little too late at that point. And uh, it's going to be tough. Like Matt said, they have not faced an elimination game yet this season, Uh, and it's going to be on the road in Montreal. I think that's also – Will was telling me about it. It was like Montreal Day there in Canada or something. There's some type of Canadian holiday uh, the day of game, the day of game six, and it's a home game, so very fantastic. Yeah, they, <laughs> Vegas is all—they're oh, in a great position to win this game. And you know, Flurry, his age is showing a little bit. You kind of—it was a little shocking that uh, they went back to Flurry for game for game five and not sticking with Robert Leonard, who had a really good game four and was able to only allow one goal and just kind of—they're rolling with him and they got the win. So you think they'd want to keep the momentum going with him and they—they they throw Flurry back out there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do game five. Um, do they switch it up again, or they stick with Flurry and they put their confidence in them? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not looking good for Vegas. They this is a must-win clearly, and uh, you want to do everything you can to get back to Vegas for Game Seven, which they've struggled this series. They're one and two at home uh, this series against the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, you know it's it, like Matt said, anything short of a Stanley Cup appearance this season, just based off how it's gone, is. Probably, I mean, they've made the Western Finals, and again, this is an expansion team only four years in. But it's like we kind of sound like spoiled, spoiled, rotten fan bases right now. But nothing less. uh, This this would be a little bit disappointing. You know, you go forty fourteen and two. You know, the hope is to at least get in the Stanley Cup Championship, but uh, they may they may come a couple games short of that.
0: Yeah, so I don't. I think Vegas. I I don't want to necessarily the lack of energy from Vegas in Game Five. And it was really on both ends of the ice. I mean, their defense did little to nothing in my opinion to help Mark Andre Fleury out in game five. They left him in a lot of vulnerable spots, a lot of breakaway chances for Montreal, a lot of odd man situations. And that's part of the reason, you know, Montreal was able to get, you know, four goals or at least three and then they had an empty net or late. Um, that's part of the reason they were able to score as much as they were, was because Vegas the Vegas defense would refuse to Help out Mark Andre Fleury, you know, get him some assistance. And to correlate with that, the Vegas offense has been absolutely nowhere to be found since Game One of this series, when Vegas put up four goals. And it's kind of shocking, but in the and this is for the entire playoffs, when Vegas scores three or more goals in a playoff game, they're a perfect nine and zero. They haven't lost. When they score two or less, they're one and eight. So the Vegas offense has to come to life in Game Six. There's no if fans are butts about it they're going to have to get to at least 3 goals if they want a chance to win the other area that they've really struggled this year particularly in the playoffs is the power play and they've always since we've gotten this team they've always struggled with the power play right but it seems like this year particularly they've just been historically bad almost um, they're 0 of 13 on their last 13 power plays <laughs> they haven't scored a power play goal this series and that may fall with coaching honestly if, yeah. if your team if your
1: team's like not doing well on the power play and can't get anything done, like that That blame, I think, has to go to coaching because they're not being prepared in practice for this.
0: Yeah, so they're 0-13, their last 13 power play chances. They haven't scored this one yet, this series, and they are hitting at less than 10% on their power plays for the entire playoffs. And so if your offense wants any hope of going, it has to start on the power play. I mean, there's no excuse. You're a professional hockey team. You should be able to score, you know, somewhere in the twenty to thirty percent range of your power plays, especially since it's five on four or sometimes five on three or even four on three. Um, it's a lot of odd man situations where you have the man advantage. You should be able to score at least some of those times. The fact that you know Vegas goes on the power play and they do nothing with it, I, I think teams may start, and this is I said it kind of half jokingly earlier. Um, but it might start happening where Vegas or teams are going to start intentionally fouling Vegas to go on the penalty because they know Vegas isn't going to score on the power play. So
1: I mean, I don't see the I don't see the benefit of them.
0: Well, they but the but at that same juncture, Vegas has also been known to give up some shorthanded goals. So maybe it works towards the. That's that's in the playoffs. That's pretty ballsy if a coach. If a
1: coach is telling, I mean, a coach has got. Uh, <laughs> that's, I, yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty ballsy call. I mean, I'm not. It may work. I mean, there are some crazy coaches out there, but I think uh putting yourself at a disadvantage in a playoff game at hoping that it's gonna end up in your favor. I mean, if it backfires, you're gonna look really stupid and you may you may lose your job for something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've seen really crazy stuff happen in the NHL and stuff that makes me scratch my head. One thing that I've never seen work is pulling a goalie. No. I have yet to see that like efficiently work f- like I've seen it a handful of times. It's actually been okay and it's worked um it it again it's i could probably count like four or five times that i've actually seen it work i just
1: see teams get more in a pit or they just dig themselves a deeper hole and the the deficit grows when they do that
0: but it only usually works when they're only down one like if they're down two i've never seen it work but down one goal i've seen some teams be able to tie the game up and some even sometimes go on and win the game or at least force overtime so I mean, for the goalie situation for the Knights, I don't know how Pete DeBoer is going to win. Um, if they lose game six, regardless of who's in net, if it's Robin Leonard, you're going to get the people that are going to say, well, why did you bench a future first ballot Hall of Famer? If Marc-Andre Fleury's in net and they lose, people are going to say, well, why didn't you go with the hot hand Robin Leonard? He won his last start. So I, for me, I think if Vegas loses game six, Pete DeBoer's at a lose-lose situation on the yeah. goalie. Um, If they win, nobody's going to care who is in that. Um, but if they lose, you know, there's going to be questions regardless. So, um, like Joey said, you have to look at this in a bigger perspective that, yes, Vegas has made their now third conference final in four years, I believe. They've made the playoffs all four years. And while this looks a little bit, I guess you could label this conference final a little bit of a disappointment if they lose because it's to a team that under normal playoff format, would not have made the playoffs to begin with. So it's a team that you're supposed to beat and you don't beat them. So there's the disappointment of that. But all in all, I mean, Vegas, they're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Montreal in game six and hope for and play for their lives, basically.
1: Yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll be interesting. Hopefully uh, next show um, we're talking about, you know, Vegas in the Stanley Cup and not what they need to do this off season and to make sure they're back in this position and they can get to the Stanley Cup again. We're just a spoiled run fan base. We the are. Uh, they I, didn't win the cup in year four. Yeah. Sell so the team. I'm done.
0: And uh, we've already gone through a coaching change, so that puts in perspective. And normally, teams that go four straight years in the playoffs aren't changing. Yeah, well, you remember
1: the first year when they lost when the, the expansion team in year one that lost in the Stanley Cup final. Fans were throwing tantrums. I'm like, you should it's be happy okay. to be there. It's okay <laughs> to be sad that you lost. I mean, of course, you want to win, but like to be mad. Right. You weren't even supposed to like make you, you weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. You weren't even supposed to win thirty games. You were you had the best odds that year to get the number one pick and you were competing for the Stanley Cup. Like it's okay by all means it's okay to be disappointed and sad, but to be mad and throwing guys under the bus and be like, Oh, this team is pathetic when they made the Stanley Cup final. I mean, it's it, I can see why some NHL fans hate us because they, they are a little spoiled. I we mean- are, I
0: should say, not not they. To put this in perspective, and this is not... I mean, I'm not intentionally trying to preview a team that we're going to be talking about soon, but the LA Clippers just made the conference final for the first time in their 51-year history. Conference final, not NBA finals, just the conference final. Vegas has made their conference final three years... three out of the four years it's been in existence. And Cleveland, five years
1: ago, won their first... The city of Cleveland won their... The city... Yeah. Not the Cavaliers. The city of Cleveland won their first championship ever or in 50 years uh in 2016. Yeah. So that whole city's just been you know producing alcoholics and <laughs> people with depression left and right. Uh. And uh they finally they finally ended it, you know, just for a little bit. And now Cleveland Cleveland pretty much sucks again. They got the Browns. The Browns are doing all right, but other than that, uh you might not want to look at their sports teams.
0: Poor uh, poor Johnny football
1: man. <laughs> Cavs are looking real good this year. They got Garland, Darius
0: Garland, and Colin Sexton. I mean, yeah. Um, But speaking of hockey, we have a game in progress. I believe Tampa is up two to nothing currently. When we refresh the uh, the page, it likes to uh, be a little slow. Uh, Two to one, excuse me. Two to one over the New York Islanders. Uh, That's currently got about four minutes to go in the second period. Tampa looking to close out the Islanders tonight. They're up three two in that series, so. If Vegas has to play Tampa or Montreal has to play Tampa, yikes! In I, mean, I don't know. Everyone keeps doubting Montreal. They, they I mean. Well, I mean, if this goes to if this goes to seven, and Tampa wins tonight, I'd be a little concerned, regardless of who wins Game Seven, because Tampa's gonna have an added days of rest. And yeah. I mean, I I don't know how long this run for Montreal can go, because something tells me like, you know, we're gonna start seeing some you know, lingerings of that regular season in Montreal, especially when you're playing a team like Tampa. um, Right now, I think Tampa's better than Vegas. Like, I think if we play, if the Vegas Golden Knights play Tampa, I think Tampa probably wins the series, but that's just my opinion, I guess. Matt, the optimist. That's right. I'm a realist, guys, not an optimist. All right. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, For Thursday's episode, I'll have a recap of that Tampa Bay-New York uh, game, and either Tampa will have won the series, or we're talking about a Game 7. Hopefully we're talking about a Game 7 for the Vegas Golden Knights, too. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit to the NBA. We had a Game 2 last night. The Suns taking on the Clippers in what was a thrilling finish. It did not disappoint. Uh, I believe DeAndre Ayton make, making the game-winning alley-oop. Tip dunk. It was like with less than a second left. Over Matt threw his remote through his television. Well, I didn't have a remote. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings. So I can't really damage any televisions there. So. Oh, okay. Well, Matt.
1: Excuse me. Matt had a public meltdown at. Buffalo Wild Wings yesterday. That's right. I got the phone calls they're, like, they're, hey, you need, to come, you need to come pick your friend up. He's oh, throwing a tantrum. He's trying to fight all the Suns fans. There's children here. I mean, this, <laughs> this grown man is throwing a tantrum here. He's causing $100
0: of damage. <laughs> you need to come pick him up. But, so. but, yes, nonetheless, the Suns did take game two. They are ahead 2-0 in that series, and they just found out that Chris Paul will be available for game three back in Los Angeles. So look, looking good for the Clippers. Looking Real good. grand.
1: Uh, but, yeah, I mean – I I was able to catch the end of that game yet last night, uh, and I I was watching it from a distance, so I had, I had it looked like that they kind of just missed through the alley oop from where I was watching it, and that it didn't go in, and that Clippers essentially won 100, 103 and then you kind of just hear like an eruption of people like cheering, and I'm like, did that go in or is like are there are there actually Clipper fans here? <laughs> That's right, we're loud <laughs> watching and proud, this game, baby, celebrating, and then. Uh, <laughs> They showed the replay, and I was able to get a better look and move closer and see that uh, DeAndre. You know, I mean, what an incredible play! And the Suns actually ran that same play. I want to say it was three years ago in 2018 or 17 with uh, to Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler did that. The Suns were pathetic then, but nothing less. Uh, Tyson Chandler was able to do that same exact play. I think there was like 0.8 seconds. Mm-hmm. This time it was 0.9, but uh, I mean, the Suns have now have full control over this series. I mean, it could have been one-one, and even with The Suns getting Chris Paul back, I mean, you're going back to a fully loaded Staples Center that's allowing 100% capacity now, and even with Chris Paul coming back, I think the Clippers could have had an advantage. You were able to steal a game in Phoenix, which is what they wanted to do, and you get two straight home games, and it's very rare. I mean, it happens, but I think it's very rare, especially in the playoffs and especially this deep in that a team loses two consecutive home games that close or back-to-back home games like that you will at least get one of those, usually, especially in the NBA, and they, they can kind of force the game six, give Kawhi more time to recover, but now they're kind of in panic mode, and my worry is that they're going to do the same thing with the Nets did with James Harden, kind of rush him back, they're going to do the same thing with Kawhi Leonard, um, and he's just, Kawhi's just going to be more of a liability than actually helping out the Clippers on the floor, because he's just not going to be 100%, and I mean, this could very well be a another four-game series for the Phoenix Suns, and a part of me is really rooting for a uh, a Phoenix Suns Atlanta Hawks finals. Like to me as an NBA fan, I mean, it won't reel in the most probably <laughs> it'll probably be the least watched NBA finals in a long time because it's not Brooklyn or it's not the Lakers or whatnot. So all the bandwagon NBA fans won't be watching it. But just to see it just to see two teams that were terrible two years ago and were picking one in three now in the NBA finals would just be really incredible. Like that's a March Madness story. And that's why March Madness is so popular, because anyone can win it. Um, you see all these upsets, and it's kind of cool just to see that in the NBA this year, to see the Clippers make their first-ever Western Finals, to see the Suns go this far, to see um, the uh, the Bucks get to this position, the Hawks get to this position. Uh, and a lot of these teams haven't won a championship since the 70s, so uh, it's it's I'm enjoying this NBA playoffs. It's too bad that the Celtics suck this year, and I can't really be enjoying it a little bit more, but... I like uh, I like Phoenix here in five games. I think the Clippers will might be able to steal Game Four, Game Three, um, but I mean you get Chris Paul back, and we know how well Phoenix plays when he's on the floor. It's gonna be a really tough series for the Clippers. I mean this isn't like Dallas and uh, um, Utah, where they able to come out of those two O deficits. I don't think I don't think they're able to do it here against Phoenix. I think Phoenix is better built than both of those teams.
0: Yeah, um, as far as that point is concerned, I, I'm with you. I, I think the Clippers had to get one of those first two games to give themselves any sort of chance. Now, I mean, like you said, maybe in five games, but it wouldn't shock me to see a Suns sweep, honestly. Now that Chris Paul is back and we're still uncertain on Kawhi, it, it, I mean, we see the means all over the place, but it, it might literally be Suns in four again over the Clippers um going to the NBA finals the Suns are for game 2 or yeah for game 2 i mean there has to be i think a little bit of blame given to Paul George I- i'm not going to you know give him a free pass for you know just you know missing two clutch free throws at the end i mean you're a professional basketball player you're an 89% free throw shooter statistically, you're supposed to be able to go to the line, make your free throws, go up by three, and then at that point, you're, you're up three, and the worst that Phoenix can do to you is tie the game. But at that same time, I give a little bit of credit to Paul George because he brought the Clippers back into that game. At one point in time, the Clippers were down six, I think with less than three minutes to go in that game, and Paul George reeled off nine of the uh, last 13 Clipper points, including, I think, the last six or seven in a row. Came from Paul George. So, to Paul George's credit, he did at least get the Clippers back in position to win the game. Um, the other person I really blame is uh, Vita Zubak. I think I thought he did an awful job on DeAndre Jordan, uh, guarding him and boxing him out. There were I counted probably three or four, at least if not more, different occasions where Zubak just got straight up boxed out by Aiton, out rebounded. Um, would Aiton would get an offensive rebound and put it in over Zubak, and. As we all saw, he basically almost, pretty much dunked over Zubac for the game winner. And, I mean, you, I get that this is a guard-centric NBA in today's NBA and that you need to shoot threes and all that, but that's still no excuse to get boxed out by somebody that I don't believe is... I don't think DeAndre Ayton's as tall as Zubac. I think Zubac is, has a height... Zubac is slow. Yeah, Zubac it looked slow and he looked unathletic un- un- last night. And... He looks unathletic every night. (laughs) I mean, particularly last night, I guess. Uh, But maybe that's because DeAndre Ayton also was having a pretty good game. Uh, He finished with, I think, 24 points, Ayton did, and another double-double. Actually outscored Devin Booker, so that that puts into context a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I think if you're going to blame two people for that loss, I think a little bit for Paul George just because he does miss those two clutch free throws. If he makes them, maybe the Clippers are going to win. Um, who knows if it goes to overtime, then we have a whole new game, but, and then you also have to blame Zubak. I, I just, I don't know how you get constantly out-rebounded, constantly boxed out, constantly just dominated down low by a guy in DeAndre Ayton. Um, and DeAndre Ayton's an up and coming big. Like, I mean, that's no disrespect to him, but come on, you're, you're a veteran. You, you should know how to box out somebody. You should know how to rebound the basketball that's pretty simple big man 101 terminology so we'll see with game 3 um i am really worried about game 3 i think the suns could really put a number down on the clippers especially now with chris paul back in the lineup yeah and, i mean and, and we haven't heard anything yet on Kawhi, so he's not confirmed yet for game 3 yeah i wouldn't i don't i don't think it'd be
1: smart to play him if he's no. injured he's going to be most of the time when these injured guys play with the exception of like lebron i think and even LeBron, you could tell, uh, was becoming a little bit of a
0: uh, a liability on the floor. Just checking the score update, by the way, for the other conference final game we've got going on. The Hawks and Bucks are tied at sixty five, with about eight minutes or so to go in the third quarter. So Bucks, Bucks, keeping it close. Or excuse me, the Hawks, the Hawks are keeping it close. Matt, Matt may or may not have put some money on the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. It, it, I, I did put
1: because I, I decided not to bet because whoever i bet on is gonna lose so so i'm just it, gonna
0: jo- joey took one for don't the want team to screw over any fan bases we, we we appreciate joey taking one for the team i did put down a small wager and i mean like five dollar wager on the hawks to win the series At i think like plus 370 odds because i think honestly this hawks team is a lot better than people are giving it credit for man they're like i've like i said thousands of times they're one of the best built teams
1: in the nba they have a lot of perimeter shooting and that's how you win in today's NBA, and uh, I think if they could get like another like just star in there, uh, they'd probably they
0: they'd be in this position almost every year. I think. One hundred percent. I will have that game also to recap for you guys on tomorrow's back and forth. But let's get to that one piece of NBA news that did break this morning regarding uh, Joey's favorite team, actually in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. You guys have a new head coach.
1: New head coach
0: Ime Adoka.
1: We by the way rehearsed saying that name for about 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> before the show. Ime Udoka, uh, You know me and Matt always always butcher names We're so great we wanted with to names. make sure yeah. We <laughs> wanted to make sure we got this one right. Uh, but Ime Adoka, uh the next uh, head coach of the Boston Celtics. I really like this hire. Um player's coach overall. A lot of players like him. Uh, Kevin Durant has a great relationship with him so I think that means Kevin Durant's coming to the Celtics. It's pretty much confirmed, pretty confirmed at this confirmed, point. Yeah, right? I mean, he's going to request a trade. and
0: Nets blowing it up. Yeah, might, we'll, might send trade... them,
1: we'll send them Peyton Pritchard might, a couple seconds.
0: Might trade Kyrie Irving. You never know. We'll <laughs> throw in Grant Williams. Grant
1: Williams is really good. I mean, Brooklyn will love Grant Williams. He's a fantastic player. You need a, a good scrapey big man that's going to just put up points. I mean, he was that's Brad Stevens' guy.
0: guy. <laughs> that's, that's He is that guy, I can assure
1: you. Grant Williams is 100% that dude. Uh, but jokes aside... Uh, really really great hire, Um, and I think it speaks volumes that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart all wanted this guy to be the next head coach of the Boston Celtics, and I think that improves the relationship between those guys in the Celtics front office. Uh, I know a lot of them were upset with trading Kemba Walker and trading uh, Javante Green last year, and even Daniel Tice as well, and so having Brad Stevens give the players full control as to who they want as their next head coach, I think Helps repair some of those, you know, those wounds or, however you want to describe it, and uh, I, I like it. I, I wanted Chauncey Billups a little bit. I kind of wanted Carl Lawson as well, um, but I mean, if that's who our superstars wanted. And by Marcus Smart, obviously, doesn't fall in that category. But by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, then I think, I think at the end of the day, that's a great hire. And you have a, he came from that Popovich coaching tree as well, uh, so a lot of people have came out and vouched for him. Uh, I trust Brad Stevens. He's done a pretty fair job. I think he's made a lot of uh, decisions and moves in this past week. Obviously, trading Kemba Walker, and then having to narrow down that head coaching list and decide on Ime Um Really great hire, and I'm I'm looking forward to next season. And also interesting to see who's going to be our next point guard going into next year. So that's the uh, next mystery for the Boston Celtics. We figured out what we we're going to do with Kemba. We figured out what we we're going to do with our head coaching. And I think the next the next hole is uh, who's going to be our point guard. I mean. It may be Marcus Smart running the one. I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but kind of would want someone a little more established to that position. Marcus Smart for one comes off the bench usually. And secondly, he rotates between that one and two position. So maybe just get a true starting point guard. I'd feel a little more comfortable. But uh, you know, in uh, Ime Odoku and, and Brad Stevens we trust in the moment. So I like the hire and uh, we'll see we'll see how the next season plays out for the Celtics. You'll have a full offseason to rest. Uh, Jalen <clears throat> Brown will be healthy by that point, and uh, hopefully we can get back to uh, losing in the Eastern Conference Finals like like we always do. I've missed that this year.
0: It's like clockwork for the Celtics, yeah. I'm telling you. We're going to go to the Finals. Yeah. We got the Heat this year. I mean, we should be able to beat the Heat. Nope. nope. Um, so, I'm going to go with the front office move for this <clears throat> coaching hire, and Joey kind of alluded to this a little bit, um, but I, I think... The front office, their number one goal so far has to be repairing and regaining the trust of some of your key players, such as a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown, a Marcus Smart. Um, There were reports, many of them, that a lot of players, not just in the Celtics organization, but around the league, um, players, coaches, and even some execs, uh, there was a big trust issue with Danny Ainge. There was a lot of people within the NBA that did not trust Danny Ainge. It's one of the main reasons Um, you know, Anthony Davis did not go to Boston. He did not trust Danny Ainge. It's one of the, I think, probably some of the main reasons why uh, some of the other big-name free agents that were rumored to Boston ultimately did not go. Uh, I I think contract-wise, salary cap-wise, it would have worked, but there was a trust issue with Danny Ainge, and that's been a common theme. Now, you know, Brad Stevens kind of giving, you know, his key players and uh, superstars that freedom to, you know, put in candidates that they would want to play for and then go forward and hire one of those candidates in... Um, and I just blanked on his name. I I, I can see the name, but... Oh, God. E, e, how do you say it?
1: We spent 45 minutes, We Matt. needed to spend 46 <laughs>
0: minutes on... <laughs> Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka. We I didn't wanted... spend 45 minutes, by the way. 4.5 a... minutes, yeah, to be exact. Just to clear that up. Um, Ime Udoka. 45 minutes on a name? Come and, on. I mean, it's an important name. It's the new head coach. Uh, Ime Udoka. Uh, the fact that there were, like you said, many players that vouched for him and wanted to play for him. Um, Shows that there's a little bit, I think, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but that's a step in the right direction to regaining trust to your front office. And that could lead to bigger moves down the line. Maybe there's, you know, free agents that start taking notice of that. And, you know, these uh, players such as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, come, you know, future off seasons might be whispering to other free agents like, hey, you know, Come on to Boston. We have a good relationship with our front office. It's a trusting front office. It's brand new Um, since Danny Ainge left. We've rebuilt, and this is part of that rebuilding process. Is you know bringing in a new head coach, bringing in a new face into the front office, and Brad Stevens, and really cleaning house with some of the old ways that Danny Ainge had left. And that's no disrespect to Danny Ainge, but there were I think Danny Ainge was a probably a much better player arguably than probably a GM especially towards the later latter half of his GM days where um, you know in the 2010 era where he uh, he just seemed to always fall short you know the 2000s were a pretty good era for Boston but that was the, two, the that was the 2000s is this is the 2000s now 20s i guess so for Boston i like the move i like the a step in the right direction for the trust from the players to the front office, and um, if they can keep building that up, I think Boston could easily be in contention uh, in future off seasons for some bigger names to maybe take a run at the Nets if their big three is still assembled or whoever the next big three might be. Because inevitably in the NBA, we always have at least one team that has a big three, and um, this year has a lot of duos, but the Nets are the one, or were the one outlier with the big three that was until they got eliminated.
1: Yeah, well, well, one thing's kind of still related to the Celtics uh, head coaching hire. Um, Jay Williams, I don't know if you saw this tweet, Jay Williams at ESPN needs to
0: lose his job. Well, that's been a, that's been a fact for a well, long time. Well, for one,
1: he came up with the fake KD story mm-hmm. to try and get you know people talking about it so people could actually watch his show maybe. Uh, he came up with basically this fake Kevin Durant. For those who don't know, he came up with a fake KD story that uh, he compared KD to Giannis and then he saw Kevin Durant randomly at some party or whatever. And Kevin Durant came up to uh, Jay Williams and said, don't compare me to him ever again. Don't compare me to Giannis. Don't compare him. So that was obviously fake. Katie came out and said, you know, Jay Williams doesn't speak for me. That never happened. He made it all up. Mm-hmm. Then today he comes up and says, uh, "Agent Wojnowski announced the Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant coach, Ime Adoka as the franchise's new coach. Jay Williams replies, The first head coach of color for the Celtics, and even more importantly, he's a talented individual who's paid his dues, which, for those who don't know, Ime Adoka is not the first colored head coach in Celtics history. In fact, there have been several, Bill Russell, Doc Rivers, Casey Jones, ML Carr, and Tom Sanders. That's a lot more than one. That's a lot more than one. The Celtics have more... Uh, I've hired the most uh, African-American head coaches uh, in NBA history. Mm-hmm. And then Jay Williams responds to it and says, instead of just owning up to it, see, it'd be completely fine if he just owned up to it and said, I messed up. I should have done my research. Because yeah. people are human. You didn't do your research. That's fine. Just own up to it. Then he comes out and says, as it, rela- as it relates to the Boston Celtics tweet that came from my account a couple of hours ago, I did not post that. And my passcode my passcode has now been changed. Mm. So let's let's get this straight. Someone hacked. They could have hacked into any celebrity's account. They pick Jay Williams, and then they're like, "Let's, um, let's make a tweet basically where we just are misinformed on how many uh, coaches of color the Boston Celtics have had, and then I'm just gonna do one tweet and just call it a day." Do you remember when Chris Paul's? Account got hacked mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, and the dude did like forty tweets of just oh, like yeah. spam. Yeah, you could tell it was hacked. Yeah, you could tell it was hacked when Offset or I forgot who it was. Someone, someone's uh, account had gotten hacked, and again, it was just like a spam. a spam yeah. of just nonsense. But um, the, for Jay Williams, is just I'm going to do one tweet here where I act like I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm just going to call it a day.
0: Well, that is um, that's our current media for you. Yeah, just Grant. like, just
1: own up to it, Jay Williams. You, you screwed up. Just own up to it. Like people screw up. Just own up to it. You don't have to make this fake story that your Twitter account because now you're just like again. It's my favorite saying. You're just digging yourself a, a deeper hole here, and now you're just
0: making yourself look worse. Yeah, I mean that that just I mean, and not to throw real I mean too much shade at ESPN, but I've noticed some of the you know like Jay Williams, Stephen A. Like they, they'll come up with these ridiculous stories that I'm not even sure they believe in, but they put it out for clickbait or for audience or for views. And to me, I just think that's a crummy way to to try and get viewership. Like you're gonna put out something that you willingly know is not true or you don't fully believe in um, just so you can gain more listenership. Like, you know, to me, like it's better to put out stuff that you know is true, that you've done your research on, that, you know, you stand behind and if it sounds idiotic, then that's fine. That's your opinion. You've done your research behind it. Like, not everybody's going to agree, but at least you know, like, you've done the research behind it. And it seems like that might be starting to become a little bit of a trend with some of the personnel at ESPN that they just, you know, come out with these outlandish takes and there's not really a lot of substance behind it.
1: Well, it's like with Stephen A. Every, every summer, he always, like, oh, I've got, I just received a text. Like, okay, well, Stephen A., I'm not, I'm not challenging your credibility here, but I mm-hmm. didn't. I've never – you've never been the guy to break stories or to come out and have have all these leaks or whatnot. Like that's been Adrian – in recent years, I mean I can't go back 10 years ago, but in recent years that's been Shams and Adrian Orjanowski and Chris Haynes from Yahoo. It's been – or I forgot the other dude's name. But mainly those three dudes have been the ones that know what they're talking about. And if it's not coming from those three, then you probably should settle down a little bit and just wait till one of those three come out and say something. But – um, yeah, like Matt says, you know, especially Jay Williams recently, who I think was when he, he knows basketball, like he's a he's a basketball mind. He's very intelligent when it comes to basketball. And you, you see him analyze the game. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I enjoy watching him talk about or recapping a game or um, analyzing a player, or whatever it may be. But coming up with these fake stories and, and doing tweets like that, especially when you work for ESPN and you're putting out false information like that, and you're not doing your research on it, and then you're not going to own up to it. And then when you tell a fake story, you're not going to come out and say, hey, I shouldn't have done that, and just own up to it. It just makes you look worse, and it's just going to make you a more or less likable person in the sports media, pretty much.
0: Yep, and that's what we have to deal with. But I want to give a huge congratulations to Carl Nassib of the Raiders for being the first NFL player to come out as openly gay. On social media, he posted that he uh, wanted just to let his followers know that, you know, he's gay and he's comfortable with it. And honestly, I hope the city of Las Vegas, the NFL, the Raiders, and everybody else involved or that, you know, watches football or just in general, are able to support and accept Carl Nassib for who he is. And I give him big props for going on a platform such as Instagram and other social media platforms and being willing to be comfortable enough to to pronounce you know his his sexual orientation I know that's very difficult for a lot of people um, and I think he's an inspiration to a lot of members of the LGBTQ community and uh, there's a lot of people especially young adolescents that are very uncomfortable uh, with talking about their sexual orientation so hopefully Carl Nassib is able to inspire some of those younger adolescents to be more comfortable in their skin.
1: Couldn't agree more, Matt. Very happy for Carl. And uh, big props to him. He also donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which is the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to LGBTQ youth. Um, And can't wait to see him out on the field next year. Hopefully we can uh, see the Raiders in the playoffs.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. We'll catch you all here tomorrow for another edition of Back and Forth, a Thursday edition. Reminder, you just get me tomorrow again so lucky you and only only one year will bleed then uh we appreciate you tuning in for today's episode of back and forth on a wednesday we'll be back tomorrow around the same time around the same place all on your favorite podcast platforms thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to y'all tomorrow